0: We've been studying the book of Acts, as you know, and we've seen God do some pretty, pretty wild things. Um, man, we had Peter going from being a wimpy, went from being kind of a wimpy guy to a spirit-filled, spirit-led preacher and teacher, an evangelist. We saw uh, Peter and John doing healings. They healed this lame guy. Uh, who was lame from birth. We saw all kinds of miraculous things happening. We saw the church of Jesus starting to take shape and starting to form. All kinds of things. And then uh, Pastor um, Doug uh, asked me to speak today and he, and I said, what's the topic? He said Acts chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9. <laughs> so I'm like, four chapters? you got to be kidding. So I started reading Acts 6, 7, 8, and 9. You know what really kind of kind of hit me is that everything in these chapters and really everything in Acts boils down to a couple of central themes and we're going to take a look at at one of those today Um, in in Acts 6 through 9 we start to see some new players come on the scene we see Stephen in chapter 6, now Stephen you may recall he was a great guy I mean he was full of wisdom, he was full of the Holy Spirit, he was full of power he was full of all kinds of things. Grace, he performed wondrous signs, he performed miracles. But you know what I like about Stephen the most? Is that he was a regular guy. He wasn't one of the twelve apostles. He wasn't one of the big guys. Okay, He was just a regular guy like you and me. Uh, but God empowered him to do great things for the kingdom. We also see Philip. You may remember this guy. Remember the story where Philip was instructed by God to go running down this road? So he does. And he sees a guy in a chariot, or not a chariot, but like a carriage of some sort. And it turns out it's a, it's a wealthy Ethiopian official. And the guy's reading the Bible. This guy from Ethiopia is in a carriage reading the Bible. So Philip starts witnessing to him, telling him about Jesus. The guy gets baptized. He gets saved. There's all kinds of incredible, incredible things going on. So really, Acts seems to be about God empowering people. And not just the big guys. He's empowering people like you and like me to do extraordinary things. And it's all for Jesus. It's all for the kingdom. It's, it's all for building, uh, for fulfilling His mission and His purpose. Now I want to go back to Luke actually, uh, the Gospel of Luke for a moment. And if you have your Bibles, you can feel free to, to turn with me. Like I said, there's no PowerPoint today. But um, I don't think they had PowerPoint in Acts, so hopefully God can still work today. Uh, but in Luke chapter 20, uh, the very end of Luke chapter 24, oh boy, I forgot my glasses. This is Jesus. He says, now this is Jesus uh, after he had risen from the dead and before he, uh, oh my goodness, I get to look like Tim today. They actually kind of work i don 't know I'll, I'll, we'll see i might I might see uh, I got to love tim it 's an awesome man anyway, this is Jesus before he ascends back into heaven. This is what he says to his disciples, and this was probably not just the twelve. this was probably a bunch of disciples. He says that uh, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Jesus opened their minds. And, you know, that needs to be our prayer this morning. God, I just pray that you, by your Holy Spirit, would open our minds so that we can understand the Scriptures, so that we can understand what you want us to hear and learn today, so that we can go forth and be your disciples, just like they did back then. Amen. All right, so he opened their minds, and then he said to them, this it is written, that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So he says that they are witnesses of these things. And then right after that, he starts talking about the promise from the Father that's going to empower you. So I think he's starting to make a connection between this concept of being a witness and the concept of receiving power. So now we go to to Acts chapter 1. So if we look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we kind of see this again. And again, this is before Jesus ascends into heaven. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, he's with the disciples. He says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and all of Samaria and to the remotest parts of the the earth. So here he's not just making a loose connection. He's saying, the reason I'm going to empower you is so that you can be My witnesses, not only in Jerusalem, but everywhere. In Southerton, in Telford, in Lansdale, in North Wales, everywhere. That's, I think, the primary reason Jesus gave us His Holy Spirit. Now, did did the Holy Spirit also come for other reasons? Absolutely. The Word teaches us the Holy Spirit is our counselor, that He gives us peace, that the Spirit is, is where we get spiritual gifts. Okay, so the Spirit has a lot of roles, but here we're seeing the very first role of the Spirit, the very first thing Jesus says, it's so that we can be empowered to witness for Him. Now, what's a witness? I looked up in the Bible dictionary what a witness was, because I wanted to be sure, and the word for witness is martus. Kind of sounds like martyr, doesn't it? Well, it's actually kind of the same root word. And it's true. A lot of people were martyred for their witness, weren't they? I mean, Stephen was. If you read Acts 6, Stephen gave a powerful message. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's sharing Christ with people. And the leaders killed him for it. So sometimes witnesses do become martyrs. But to witness really is just one who has information or knowledge of something, first-hand information, and that they then uh, can then give information on it, that they can tell somebody about this this thing. So it's people who have seen something or heard something, and they can bring light or uh, give that information to someone. Now, what were the disciples to witness about, specifically? You know, I thought about this. Um, and again, as you read through Acts, uh, you don't see... At least up to the chapters we've studied. It's interesting. There's certain books of the Bible, like Romans, for example, that are kind of really deep theological discussions on things. But in Acts, what we primarily see people talking about, whether it's Peter or Stephen or Philip or Paul, they're primarily preaching Christ, preaching his crucifixion, you know, his life, his death, the fact that He rose again from the dead, the fact that His mission and purpose for coming was so that we could be in relationship with God the Father, that He's forgiven us from our sins. And guess what? That's the Gospel. That's primarily what we see in Acts. And I think when Jesus said, I'm going to empower you to be my witnesses, He's primarily saying, look, the world needs to know the Gospel, the good news, that I came, I lived, I died, I rose again. That we can be re-reconciled to God. Now you might say, well, that was good for them. You know, Jesus commanded that to the disciples, maybe the twelve, and maybe a couple hundred that were hanging around them for a few years. Um, but I'm really glad he didn't command me to do it. Okay, that, that was for them back then. That's not really for Christians today. We're just supposed to get saved, come to gathering, have a happy life, and go be with Jesus. Right? I've thought that sometimes. I know lots of Christians have thought that. Maybe you have thought that. But I really don't think that's what Jesus wants. If we look at a couple scriptures um, in First Peter, for example, he says, "But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. Christ needs to become Lord of our heart, our entire life, our entire being." And he says, "Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks." to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. If we have the hope of Jesus Christ, this risen, alive, dynamic, living and breathing Savior, if we have Him in our hearts and in our lives, then we should be ready and willing and quick to give account of that, according to 1 Peter. Okay, And then in Romans chapter 10, this is one of those deep theological things that uh, the Apostle Paul talks about But it's not really that deep. It's actually pretty simple. Romans 10, verses 13. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Alright, so that's, in a nutshell, the process of salvation. People call upon the name of the Lord, they commit their life to Christ, and they receive the gift of salvation. But then he expands on that a little bit. And in the next couple verses he says, But how then shall someone call upon him in whom they've never believed? Like would someone just wake up, wake up one day and say, I think I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord today. I think I'm going to entrust my life to Jesus. It doesn't usually work that way. So then he says, and how shall they believe in him if they had never heard of him? So how are people going to believe and how are they going to believe in someone that they've never heard about? And how shall they hear without a preacher or without someone to tell them about it with their mouth? How are they going to hear it with their ears if no one says it with their mouth? And that's really what witnessing is all about. It's simply opening our mouths and telling people what Christ has done for us. Now, we're not all called to be preachers or teachers. There are certain giftings in the body. And, you know, I get that. I totally get that. But I think part of this transformational process we're talking about, and I really appreciated this a couple weeks ago, I think when Doug was talking, he kind of opened it up and said, you know, Acts is about transformation. Peter was transformed. All all the you know uh Stephen was transformed. All these people were transformed supernaturally by the Holy Spirit. So the whole book of Acts is about us as as Christians, as believers, you know, growing in leaps and bound in in our faith by being transformed by the Spirit. So I think this whole concept of witnessing, sharing our faith, telling people about Christ. Is really part of that transformational process. Does anyone here, you know, find it a little difficult sometimes to share your faith? I mean, I know I do. Anybody? Raise your hand. Cindy does. A couple? All right. And the rest of you do too. You probably just didn't raise your hand. But, no, I think, no, some of you are really good at it. Don't get me wrong. But it's something that doesn't come naturally to us, is it? It's something that's not easy. But I think it's something that can be part of that transformational process that we need to actively grow in. Now, I'd like you to take... Uh, some. we're going to talk about that a little bit more uh, today. How do we do that? Well, I'd like you to take your little card out, and if you have a pen or if you can share one with somebody else, I'd like you to try to answer this question. Now, you don't have to answer this question if you honestly cannot. Okay? And we're not going to have a quiz. Uh, actually, we are. I shouldn't say that. <laughs> We are going to have a quiz. One thing I know to be true about Jesus through personal experience. Can you think of one thing that you know to be true about Jesus through personal experience? Not because you read it in the Bible, not because you heard a preacher say you should have peace or something. One thing that you know to be true about the risen living Savior through your experience Did you find peace that only God could have given you in a certain situation? Did you receive healing? Did you have a relationship that was restored? Think of one thing that through your personal experience you know to be true about Jesus. And then write that down. I'll give you a couple seconds to do that. And like I said, if you can't think of anything, just don't write it down. pretty quiet in here. Alright, has anybody come up with a uh, something they wrote down? I thought of... You don't have to think of ten things, just one thing. Alright, what we're going to do... If, if you thought of something to write down, I'd just like you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to come up here or anything. Alright, good. Now, what I am going to ask you to do is when I say go, I would like you to turn to somebody, doesn't matter who it is, and tell them in 20 seconds or less what you just wrote down. Okay? Everybody got that? Can you do that? You don't have to go into a big story. You don't have to give the backstory story and start out from when you were born and all that. Just give the, the, the elevator version, okay? The 20-second version of what you did. All right? One, two, three go tell somebody what you just wrote down alright I'll tell you what I wrote down there was um, maybe I won't because it's all like this um, it's really been the Lord has transformed me in being someone who's been really afraid to kind of share about my faith and stuff like that into someone who now actively seeks ways to do that And for me, it's been transformative. It's not just been a self-help thing. I really think it's been transformative. Anyway, that's my story. All right, there's a lot of chatter. That's good. There's a lot of chatter. Now, for those of you who just shared your 20-second story, guess what you just did. Can anybody tell me what you just did? Angela? You were a witness. You were a witness. You just witnessed to somebody. You took something that you knew firsthand about Jesus, that this risen Savior who did something in your life, and you just told somebody about it. Now, that wasn't too terribly difficult, was it? That wasn't too terribly threatening. And it shouldn't be. Because it's something that you've experienced. It's something that's happened to you. Now... Uh, there's, nevertheless, you know, this whole idea of going out and sharing our faith and just being there for people is difficult. Man, it's, it's very, very difficult. It's been really difficult for me. And over the years I've come up with some, some thoughts, some concepts, some strategies, if you want to call them that, uh, for how we can uh, more effectively share our faith. And first, the first thing I think we need to understand is that there's a difference between being a witness and being an evangelist. Okay, I think, I think sometimes in our minds we confuse the, the two. When we start to think about sharing our faith, we instantly go to Billy Graham. Oh, I could never be a Billy Graham. You know, he's really good at this, this talking about Jesus stuff. All right? So that's where our mind goes sometimes. But we're not, there's a difference. Okay? Someone who's a witness is simply someone who does what you just did. They just tell somebody else what they've seen and what they've heard. That's it. Now, an evangelist, an evangelist, on the other hand, goes a little beyond that. Should an evangelist be a witness? Well, I certainly hope so. But they go a little further than that. They've, they've been given the desire and the abilities and the skills to preach the Word of God, to teach the Word of God, to interact with people, to, to help draw people into faith through, through the Word of God, like a Billy Graham. That's a little different. Um, I'm in the computer field, as a lot of you know. And it was kind of interesting. A few years ago, Microsoft... Who makes Windows, um, for better or for worse? Um, they came up with this new job, and they went out and hired about a hundred people. And this is their title: they are to be Microsoft technical evangelists. Did you ever hear about that? Any computer geeks out there? So you can go apply to be a technical evangelist. And they kind of, they kind of are, I think, are playing on this whole Billy Graham thing, you know? They they hire people who are going to be really psyched for Microsoft. And they're going to go out there, they're going to seminars, they're going to uh teaching sessions, they're going to, you know, vendors, they're going out to customers and they're evangelizing people for Microsoft. They're telling about all the benefits of Windows and their various products and databases and this and that and they're and it's pretty interesting. So you could be a Microsoft evangelist. And you can make good money too. But <laughs> So if the world gets it, you know, the world gets it that we need, you know, people to evangelize. But we also need people to be out there to be a witness. So you don't necessarily have to be a, an evangelist like that, but we do need to be witnesses. Uh, so kind of get, it kind of helps to differentiate that a little bit. Another thing we can do, I believe, that will really help us to be an effective witness is to clearly, you know, to kind of do what we did just now with this little card. And that is to clearly identify some areas in our lives where the resurrected Christ has made a difference. Okay, today I just asked you to do one. But I'm going to give you some homework. Alright, I'd like you to go home today or this evening. Get a piece of paper and write down everything that you can think of. Prayerfully consider this, really. And say, God, where have I seen the resurrected Christ working in my life? or in my church, or in my family? What kinds of things could I bear witness to, perhaps? And write them down. It could be, you know, your list may be two items long, or three items long, or 30 items long. I don't know. But sometimes it helps to solidify it in our minds, and in our spirits, and in our souls by just writing them down, getting them in our heads. That way they can more quickly come back when the uh, situation arises. So go ahead and do that today. Write them down. Um, I'm going to ask you to be a little bit vulnerable for a second because I want to just give you an example of how this might work. Um, is anybody here kind of afraid of dying? You know, you're just not sure about the whole death thing. You know, you're just a little afraid of dying. Anybody here like that? Ken? All right, Ken's my neighbor, and Ken's out raking leaves one day. And so he's at his house. I'm raking leaves at my house. And because I'm a missional kind of guy, I and, and I think, you know, part of, of what I do as a Christian should be reaching out to people. I see Ken, so instead of going in my backyard so I don't have to see him, I walk across the street. I say, Ken, let's just take a little break. How are you doing today? Good. Doing all right? Good. Man, this is a crazy... This is a great time of year, isn't it? The leaves are falling down. Everything's cool. It's looking good, huh? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of junk going on in the world, though. What about these shootings in Oregon? That's horrible, isn't it? Now, my neighbor's not a real talkative guy. All right? So, apparently. And uh, so, uh, you're like, yeah, that's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it's really terrible. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, we got people being killed out there. In fact, I think some of these people were even Christians from what I heard. You know, the guy was killing people. Man, this whole death stuff. What do you think about death? Scared. Kind of scared? You know what? I'm kind of scared too. It's not fun to think about dying, is it? No. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. Um, A few years ago... A few years ago, I got cancer. And at first, I thought, it's not a big deal. It's just one little thing in one spot. But then they did some more tests, and I found out it had spread a bit. So now it's like stage four cancer. And it just so happened, right around that time, like we were going through this study of the book of John. And in fact, I got a book of John right here, because I always carry one with me. And we got to, to chapter 11. Would you mind if I read you a couple of questions here? Okay. We got to chapter 11. This is a story where Jesus rose a guy from the dead. His name was Lazarus. And look what, and he has an, account, an encounter with these two lady ladies that he knew. They were acquaintances of him. And he says to this one lady, he says, cause she's afraid of death. She's afraid her brother had just died. And Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. This is Martha. And Martha says to him, Well, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. You see, she had heard Jesus teach and preach, and she understood there was this thing called the resurrection. But look what Jesus says. He says, He said, I am. I am the resurrection. I am the life. And he says, If you believe in me, he who believes in me will live, and even though he dies, he will live even though he dies. And whoever lives, I should have Tim's glasses, and believes in me, he will never die. So if, if, if you're alive now, but you believe in Jesus, you will never die. And then Jesus asked Martha this, and this is what really hit me when I was studying this. He said, Martha, do you believe this? And I had to ask myself that same question. It was almost like, you see how it's highlighted here in this book? How it's like bold? It was almost like he was saying, Kent, do you believe this? And it really challenged me. So I started praying about that. I started thinking about that and I started wrestling with that. And you know what? I came to the conclusion through the help of God that yeah, I do believe that. And then the next time I went to the doctor and they had some bad news or I had to start chemo or something, I was like, this is cool. And I got to start witnessing to doctors. I started witnessing to nurses and stuff. It was just really cool. I just lost that fear of the unknown, that fear of death. And it was all from what I saw here, right in John. Would you like to have this? Here. You can have that. And would you mind if I prayed for you right now? Let's pray. God, I just pray for my neighbor, Ken. And as we're raking leaves today, and it's a beautiful fall day, Lord, I pray that you would help us not to concentrate on the fact that leaves are dying, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to concentrate on the fact that you bring life. Lord, that you've, you were raised from the dead so that we would not have to die. And I pray that you would bless him, Lord. Bless him. Give him that assurance. Amen. And, you know, that was actually a very real situation because I've done that with half a dozen people. And it's not because I'm an evangelist. It's not because I'm Peter or Paul. It's because Christ has done something. And you just tell people about it. you witness. So when Jesus does something, you just tell somebody about it. We make it so hard. And Jesus is saying, don't make it hard. He's just saying, if you know me, tell somebody about it. You don't have to have the Bible memorized. You don't have to have every psalm in your hip pocket. It's nice to have a copy of the Gospel of John in your hip pocket. And I would carry, I, you know, I started this about, excuse me, about six months ago, a year ago, maybe. A biker friend of mine gave me some Gospels of John. And he said, here, you never know when these will come in handy. I'm like, okay. So I've been carrying Gospels of John around with me for about six or eight months, and I've handed probably half a dozen of them out now. And it's in situations just like that. It's not that hard, folks. Take the experiences that you have learned. And you might say, well, I don't have an opportunity to witness. I just don't know any unsafe people. Well, then I'd say, go find some. Go find some people who may not know Jesus. And you know, opportunities come in the strangest ways. The strangest ways. I was at uh, this, this place we hang out for breakfast a couple weeks ago. And um, I was sitting... Across the table from a guy I've been talking to for several months. And um, we were having eggs that day, which we are prone to do at Biggie's. And so our eggs came, and he was telling me how he likes hot sauce on his eggs. So I said, yeah, I guess I'll try some hot sauce today. So I said, Mary, give me some hot sauce. Mary's the lady who owns it. So she gets this bottle of hot sauce, and she plops it on the counter in front of us. And the name of this hot sauce is Lucifer. Okay, that's the name of the hot sauce. So, and again, this is just one of those things that... I I don't know. It's just kind of strange. But this is just a strange opportunity. So I look at this, and the very first thing that comes out of my mouth, it was just like spontaneity. I said, Mary, that's Lucifer. She looks at it and she says, yeah. I said, Mary, I'm full of the Holy Spirit of Jesus. Like, There's no room for Lucifer in here. I'm not going to eat Lucifer. And this guy... (laughs) This friend that I'm having breakfast with, now, this is this guy's a non-believer, okay, I'm just someone I've been hanging out with, he looks at me, and he looks at Mary, and he says, Mary, what are you thinking? <laughs> and I'm like, this is awesome. And you know what, then after that we had a conversation, we, we somehow got he had had some health problems he had a stroke and we just started talking about that and we started talking about I said you know maybe God's not finished with you yet you know I had some problems too and God wasn't finished with me maybe God's not finished with you and kind of you know so you know anyway the point is opportunities abound opportunities abound it's usually not an opportunity issue let me tell you what it usually is and again I'm just preaching to myself here it's usually an availability issue Okay. It's not that we don't have opportunities; it's that we don't make ourselves available. We're not strategic about it. We're not looking for those opportunities. Um, we have to make ourselves available for God. We need to consciously ask God to, you know, put people in our way, put people in front of us, so that we can be a witness. For you. We do this a lot. Um, like whenever, you know, I'm driving someplace, you know, to dance, to the theater, to biggies, to wherever to work. I'll often just take a minute or so. It doesn't have to be a big, big thing, but just say, God, okay, I'm on my way to, to the theater right now. Um, just help me to be a good witness for you. In whatever way that means today. I just pray for opportunities. Lord, I want to be available should you, by your Holy Spirit, decide that that you want to use me in some way today. We need to consciously make ourselves available. This happened uh, recently. In uh, We went to Austin, Texas to visit my daughter, uh, Elizabeth, and her, her husband, Eric. And there's another one of those things. We're flying into Texas, and I'm kind of praying to myself, okay, God, we're here in Texas. Um, I just pray that you'll be with us, help us, use us in any way you can. We just want to be available for you, you know, those kinds of things. So we get to Texas, and one day we were in a swimming pool in my daughter's development. And uh, they had like a jacuzzi thing there and a swimming pool. And this guy is a little, you know, a couple feet away from me, and he's got a hat on that has a guitar symbol on it. So I'm like, hmm, guitar. Um, oh, and by the way, that's another really good way to get into conversation with people is find an affinity with someone. So anything that you can find that might be similar... So I see this guitar symbol, and I'm like, Hey, do you play guitar? He's like, Yeah, I do, actually. Oh, that's cool. I do, too. What kind of music do you play? And so he told me about his music, and then he said, What kind of music do you play? I said, Well, contemporary Christian music. And he says, I play Christian music sometimes. Really? Tell me about that. So we kind of got into this really cool conversation, and then he says, Yeah, you know what? I was a Christian at one time. I'm like, Really? And you're not anymore? He said, well, I don't think so. He said, I was walking with the Lord for about a year. I was on fire for God. But then something happened and I slipped back into evil ways. And man, he said, I've been ripped up for the last, it must be 20 years. He said, I know I'm not right with God. I know I'm living in sinful ways. But I I think I'm just too far gone. I think, I just don't think God, I just don't think there's any way back. I just can't get there again. I was like, dude, there are ways. That's why Jesus, you know, it all gets back to the gospel. It's like that's why Jesus lived, that's why He died, that's why He rose again, so that you could be in right relationship with God. You see, everything really comes back to the gospel. Again, we make it too hard. And he's like, yeah, but not me. You don't know. I'm, I mean, I've been drinking, I've been doing stuff. I'm like, no, dude, you can have assurance of your salvation. You can have, you can get back in right relationship with God. And then I asked him again, I said, would you mind if I kind of prayed for you? He's like, no, I wouldn't mind. So we're standing there in the swimming pool and said, okay. Laid a wet hand on him and started praying for him. Now see, if I was really spiritually in tuned, I would have said, can I just baptize you right here? I thought of it now, three months later. Ever have that that happen to you? You're like, God, why didn't I say that? Well, I wish I, I should just baptize the guy. That would have been cool. But, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of being available. Just saying, God, for the rest of the day, as long as I'm breathing today, I just want to be available. And guess what? Some days nothing happens. And God says, I don't want you to be my witness today. I'm like, that's okay. But other days you get to lay hands on someone and pray for them in a swimming pool. And that's good too. Here's a pet peeve of mine. <clears throat> and uh, now I've thought this too so again I'm preaching to myself sometimes we say um, I'm just I like the idea of witnessing but I'm just going to be a witness by the things I do okay uh, what's that saying something about um, actions speak louder than words right uh, and you know what there is truth to that the Bible is full of things I mean we could preach for days on what it means to express our, our relationship with God in what we do should we be living in righteous ways absolutely should we be loving to our brothers and our sisters absolutely should we be taking time to go to our neighbors who are raking leaves and just hanging out with them should we be doing all these things absolutely but you know what non-believers can do all of those things Non-believers can be loving. Non-believers can give money to worthy causes. Non-believers can go rake leaves with their friends to to, to help foster relationship. They can do all those things that we as Christians should be doing because we love God. But there's one thing non-believers cannot do. They absolutely cannot do. They cannot, with their voices, share the gospel with somebody. They cannot they cannot tell somebody how the risen Lord, the risen, live, breathing Savior has made a difference in their life. That's not something they can do. Only Christians can do that. So should we out there be out there being nice, being kind, being loving, being gentle, being patient, being kind? Absolutely. But at some point, when somebody says, Ben, why are you such a nice guy? I mean, you've just got this... I don't know, when I'm around you, I just, there's just something, you're peaceful. I mean, I just feel peace when I'm around you. Now, what Ben could do is say, thank you. Another thing he could do is say, well, thank you, I appreciate that. But you know why I'm a peaceful guy? It's because Jesus, just, just having a relationship with Jesus brings a lot of peace in my life in areas that could be really wrought with worry where that could be really wrought with despair. That's why I come across as peaceful. Because of the Gospel. Because of this Jesus who lived and died and rose again brings us into reconciliation with God, makes us peaceful. You see, that's something an unsaved person can't do. All they can do is say... Thank you. I'm a peaceful person. That's all they can do. So should we live in Christ-like ways? Absolutely. But when people ask us about it, be ready, be quick, like James said, to share our faith, to tell people why we are the way we are. Now I'd like you to take your cards out again. if you still have your cards... Um if you could not write anything down on your card this morning again that's okay we're not here to I'm not here to make anyone feel bad now if Jesus brings conviction on you that's perfectly acceptable but if you didn't write anything down let's talk about that perhaps you may know Jesus or you may know about Jesus or you've studied his word or you've heard a lot of bible stories or or maybe you're here today, a friend brought you, but you just don't know Jesus very well. But you've not really experienced the power of the resurrected Christ in your life. And that's why it was a little hard to come up with something. It's like, yeah, I know Jesus, or I know about him, but man, in the final analysis, where's he been? And you know what? You can't really be a witness for something that you haven't seen, right? Or something that you haven't you haven't heard. So ask yourself, why couldn't I write something down? Why haven't I seen the power of God displayed in my life? Maybe not exactly the way it was in Acts. You know, not of all of us are gifted like Peter and John where they could walk up to somebody and heal them and have the lame man get up and, and start walking around again. But... Why have I not seen the power of God in my life? Where's my commitment to Jesus? Am I a disciple of Jesus? And maybe you're not a believer yet. You know, again, like I said, maybe you're here and you're just kind of checking out this Christ stuff, this Jesus stuff, this Christianity stuff. Well, today is the day that you can make that real. Today is the day that you can experience the power of this Jesus we're talking about, the Jesus who lived and died and rose again. You don't have to leave here today with a blank piece of paper. That's part of the good news. We can all leave here today experiencing the risen Christ in our life. All you have to do is say yes to God. Say yes, I thank you Jesus for doing that. You have to acknowledge the fact that we are separated and apart from God, that we're without Him because of our sinful condition, our human condition, this thing the Bible calls sin. We've rejected God to whatever extent in our lives. But you can come to Jesus right now and put your faith in Him and your trust in Him and your hope in Him. Maybe for the first time, maybe for a a second or third time, but it can be for the rest of your life. You can do that right now. And that will be the first thing that you can tell people about. You know, it's interesting. As I was studying for this, after Paul's conversion, you know, this guy Saul, who was... A Christ hater and a Christian killer within a couple of days turned into a Christ lover and a disciple maker. And one of the very first things he did after he got saved is he started hanging out with disciples and he started telling people the only thing he knew about Jesus at that point. And the only thing he knew was that Jesus Christ is Lord. That was the only thing he knew. So that's what he started telling people. He started going around everywhere and saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. I know He is because He appeared to me and He saved me sovereignly. So if you only know one thing, if you get saved right now and you entrust your life to Jesus right now, you've got something on your card. You've got something you could go to somebody today and say, guess what? Jesus saved sinful people. I know because He just did it to me. So don't leave today with an empty card. In Acts 4, 19-20. This will be the last scripture we look at here. Acts 4. Now Peter and John had just healed a man who was lame from birth. Okay, they were full of the Holy Spirit. God was doing some awesome things through Peter and John. And they had just healed someone, and they got put on trial. These are really terrible people, Peter and John. All right, they're healing people, and they're telling people about Jesus. That's worthy of being put on trial for, at least in the minds of the Pharisees and the scribes and all these people. So, they were hauled into court, and... They were put before the, the Pharisees and stuff. And the religious leaders ordered them to shut up. They gave them a gag order, I guess you'd call it. I don't know. But they just said, shut up. You've got to stop talking about Jesus. We don't want to hear any more of this Jesus stuff. You're getting people all riled up. They're following you. They're following Jesus. They're not following us anymore. So just be quiet. They ordered them to be quiet. So in verse 19 here in chapter 4, this is what Peter and John answered to the religious leaders. They said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. We cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. So friends, I would just like to ask you today. Thank you, Tim. I think today it's time to be bold in our faith. I think it's time today that we become bold witnesses for Jesus. We don't have to be evangelists. We don't have to to be Billy Grahams. But we have to identify things in our lives that the risen Savior has accomplished supernaturally. And then we have to be willing to just tell people as Christ gives us opportunity. And we have to be available to do that. We have to pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We can't do it ourselves. If we do it ourselves, it's work. If we pray and ask God to have the Holy Spirit supernaturally get us into these situations, it's joy and it's peace. Will you seek out opportunities? There's opportunities abound. Will you make yourself available? Will you actively seek out those opportunities every day when you wake up? Say, God, where can you use me today? These are the three things on my list that I know from personal experience you've accomplished in my life. Lord, there's got to be three people out there who have had a failed relationship that need healing like I had. There's got to be three people out there who survive, who, are, who are going through a terrible illness like cancer or something. Lord, you helped me conquer that. You, you helped heal me from that. There's got to be someone I can tell. Lord, there's got to be someone out there who thinks they're a loser. There's got to be someone out there with a really poor self-image, like I used to be. But Lord, you conquered that in me. You helped me to become. You helped me to 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 realize that I'm your child, that I'm an adopted son or daughter. That now I've got hope. I've got faith. I've got something to live for. I know that. Lord, there's got to be someone I can tell. How can I make myself available? And I think the more we do that, this is what I'm finding out the more we do that, the more we make ourselves available, the more we start experiencing that, the more we can say with Peter and John that it doesn't matter what anybody else says, that we are going, we, that we just won't be able to stop telling people what we have seen and what we have heard. Amen? Amen. Lord, this is a subject that's become near and dear to my heart. And um, it hasn't always been that way. I've been a believer for a long time, and I've loved you for a long time. And I've been... Happy to do stuff for the kingdom for a long time. But I have not been happy to share my faith all those years. Lord, I thank you for the transformation that you've done in my life. It's all a God thing, it's all a Holy Spirit thing. And Lord, I recognize that and I thank you for that. Lord, I know there are people here today who have been transformed in many, many ways. Lord, your Holy Spirit is still working just like it did in Acts. And Lord, I pray that it would work in even bigger and better ways in our life. In the life of Renew, in the life of the people here today. That Lord, you would transform our thinking in the whole area of being a witness for you. Lord, help us to look for those opportunities. Take them. Run with them. For your glory, for your kingdom, for your sake. Amen.